Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. I, obviously, am Alistair. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before we introduce tonight's guest, here's Tamara, who's going to tell you all very briefly a little bit about a girl's worst nightmare. Tamara, what is a girl's worst nightmare? Her mother. In this case, it's Priscilla Martin. She's the diva of Morning Glory Circle and a driving force in the quaint California town of Snapdragon. She's the overseer of garage sales and neighborhood Christmas decorations. You better do her bidding. And she's widely admired, at least in her own mind. But few people know the real woman behind the perfectly coiffed hair and the opium perfume because no one escapes Prissy's watchful eye. No one, that is, except her son, who committed suicide many years ago, and her daughter, Claire, who left home more than a decade past and hasn't spoken to her since. But now, Priscilla's daughter, Claire, and her son-in-law have fallen on hard times. Expecting their first child, the couple is forced to move back, and Prissy's there to welcome them home with open arms and to reclaim her broken family. And you got to remember, the past isn't always as bad as you remember, because sometimes it's worse. Claire has terrible memories of her mother, but now it seems that Priscilla has mended her ways when a cache of vile family secrets uncovered Claire's struggles to determine fact from fiction, and her husband, Jason, begins to wonder who the monster really is. Lives are in danger, and Claire and Jason must face a horrifying truth, a truth that may destroy them and will forever change their definition of mother. This is so much fun. We had such a blast writing that book. Yeah. <laughs> we did. And, that is a oh, oh, my God, this and woman. That is available on Amazon.com, so check it out. <laughs> Um, again, very quickly, you're listening to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarthorn.com. You can visit our mutual blog at thornandcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handles are at crossalister and at tamarthorn. You can also visit our Haunted Nights Live page on Facebook. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. And tonight we are joined by a guest who we tried to have on a couple weeks ago, and the studio was acting up, and it was really ugly, and it was a big mess, but it seems to be okay today. So we're going to try this again. Mark Allen Gunnels loves to tell stories. He has, since he was a kid, penning one-page tells that were Twilight Zone knockoffs. He likes to think he's gotten better since then. <laughs> he loves reader feedback, and above all, he loves telling stories. He lives in Greer, South Carolina, with his husband, Craig A. Metcalf. Uh, his latest book is The Daylight Will Not Save You, and we're going to talk about that and just some general other writing stuff, and 
that's it. So welcome to the show, right. Mark. How are you doing? I'm great. And the last interview was fine. You're conflating the uh, the, the uh, chaos. <laughs> well, you were fine. Yeah. We were fine. But <laughs> yeah. the noise factor was really bad. <laughs> oh. I can hear oh, Alistair this time, so we're doing better. Oh, good, that's good, exactly. right. We can't hear him much at all. Yes. Yeah, I can't even remember what happened. It was, just, it was a big mess, and I think we ended up cutting it off early. I don't remember. I just know that we have mm-hmm. to do it again. But anyway, that's all right. You know what? Everybody sounds good now. So, All right. Um, Mark, tell us a little bit about The Daylight Will Not Save You. First of all, I, I love that title, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those titles that makes me want to just pick it up because, you know, Daylight Will Not Save You. I'm going to read it, right? All right. So what is it actually about? Yeah. And the cover, and the cover, it's it's psychedelic. I like that far yep. out, man. Yep. Yeah, I like the cover, yeah. Um, the Daylight Will Not Save You, it's uh, my new short story collection from Unnerving Press. Um, it's 27 pieces, 25 uh, stories, two poems. Um, and that cover is the genius of Eddie Generous, who runs Unnerving. That was his idea. Um he had originally come up with something a little more typically horror, but he decided mm-hmm. to go with that more, as you said, psychedelic cover, which I do think is beautiful and has been getting a lot of um, compliments. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a bunch yeah. of stories, all recent stories that I wrote um, last year. And I came up with that title just because I was looking at the stories, and a lot of them don't take place during the traditional midnight hour of horror and I was thinking, you know, horror can happen anytime, not just at night. <laughs> nice. Nice. Wow. I love it. So when you set out to do um a short story, th- this is something that I, I always admire anybody who's who's uh able to do it because it's it's actually yeah. really hard. I don't know I don't think a lot of people realize that, but short stories are in my opinion harder than full books. How right. do you yeah, seriously. How do you uh, feel about that? Do you do you agree? Um, short stories are just something I'm very passionate about. I mean, I I write novels and I write novellas, but I feel like I have sort of an instinctual understanding of the short story, the pacing. So to me, a sh- the short story almost become, comes more naturally to me than the longer pieces. I like to challenge myself with longer pieces, but the short story is where I really feel like I'm in my zone. Right. Wow. So how long does it take you on average to write a a short story? Um, Well, that can vary because the length of the stories vary, even in the collection. Like some of them are longer and can take a while. Um, longer short stories, but then I, I also am a fan of uh, flash fiction, just really <laughs> short stories that are a page or two. Right. Um, I can write a couple of those in a sitting. Um, so, you know, and then sometimes, it, depending on how much time I have, I, I wrote a short story recently uh, for a contest winner where I built the story around that hymn. And um, uh-huh. I told him, because I I didn't have that much time to write, I was writing every day, but just a little bit, and I told him, like, 
you're going to be surprised when you read this because as long as it's taking me, you'd think it was like 50 pages long, but it's like 20 pages long. But, but yeah, the time period can vary depending on how much time I have to write and the length of the story. Right. When you when you do flash fiction or or something very short, and do you do you feel like you have a a beginning, middle, and end, or is it more like a vignette? Or Alistair and I get confused by these things. Everything we write ends up long. <laughs> well, true. I I do write what I I sometimes call the vignette, where it's not maybe what you would think of as a fully realized story with a beginning, middle, and end. Um, it's more mm-hmm. like a a moment in time. Just you're just getting like a scene of something. Um, yeah. And to me, as a reader too, I actually can enjoy that sort of thing, just for because you know different kinds of stories are going to satisfy different sorts of needs that we have as readers. And sometimes mm-hmm. I do just like that, you know, a moment, a character study something like that. So not all of my flash fiction has that traditional structure of beginning, middle, and end. Sometimes right. you're just going to get the middle or sometimes just the end. But, um, but you know, to me that, that it can still be a satisfying story um, without that. Right. Yeah. So now how long have you been doing this and where did it all start? Do you remember there being a, a moment where you decided this is what you were going to do, or how did it all come to be? Uh, the first time I can ever remember making up stories, I was maybe 10, and I, I'm not even sure what gave me the impotence, may, impetus, maybe just the realization that stories come from people who make them up, but that was when I started writing these little one-page Twilight Zone knockoff stories, um, the only yeah. one I can really remember in detail was called Horror or Laura. And it had to do with a popular cheerleader who found out that she had a deranged and deformed twin who had been locked up in the attic her whole life. Um, so, you know, really deep stuff like that. But, you know, I, I did that when I was younger, but it was probably when I was around junior high, high school age that I really started Mm -hmm. to define myself through writing and realize like, this is what I do. This is what I am. This is what I always want to do. Um, And there was a lot of bad teen angsty poetry happening in that phase, (laughs) but, um, but it, and really bad (laughs) teen angsty stories too, that, will never see the light of day, which I look at now and realize are kind of horrible. But at the time, I didn't know they were horrible, and they gave me the confidence I needed to keep going. Right. Wonderful. Yeah. So now what what does research look like in terms of the short story? I I know, like, when when we set out to to write a book, you, you can spend months you know, uh, researching locations, uh, you know, the, the lifestyles or jobs or whatever, the characters, I, just on and on it goes. Is is it like that when you're doing a short story? Um, it can be, um, depending on what the story is. As far as location, I tend to set probably the bulk of my stories in areas 
I'm familiar with, um, either areas I've lived in or areas I've visited often. Um, but sometimes I do go outside that and have to do a little research. Like you said, if there's a certain job a character needs, I may have to do research. And, I mean, that's why I love living in the Internet age because it's so easy. Yeah, right. Sometimes I don't, yeah. I don't have to do it till the moment I need it. I can just write up to the moment I need to know something, flip on mm-hmm. over to Google, find it out. Right. And, I mean, I'll research exactly. anything. I've researched because I'm not ashamed to admit I have sometimes written um, – Fan fiction, a lot of Buffy fan fiction. Don't judge. Yeah, but I've done, nice. I've done research for fan fiction where I felt it was necessary. Right. Yeah. I'm right now, in, in in the daylight will not save you. Is there um, a particular story in there that 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 is your favorite? That's that's I don't know that you're the most proud of or excited about. And if so, can you tell us anything about it? Well, I mean, you know, I don't want to make all the other stories in the collection jealous because I'm proud of all of them. But there there are a couple. There's one um, called Out of Time, which is – I don't even how, know how to describe it. It's not exactly a time travel story, but we'll just say time is kind of loopy in that story. And to me, it has a very strong Twilight Zone-esque flavor to it. And the Twilight Zone is something I always say is probably one of the biggest influences on me as a storyteller. And um, mm-hmm. I was, I'm was i very proud of that story because the structure had to be just so to make it work. And I worked really hard on the structure of that story, going back and rewriting parts of the beginning just to make sure that it lined up, um, which doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't know the story, but I put a lot of effort into that story, and I really felt it, it turned out really well. And um, uh-huh. I, I also have a story in the collection called Redman, which is my tribute to um, the late Jack Ketchum. Um, ah. When he passed, I, I actually wrote it for a tribute anthology that ended up not happening. So I just put it in here, but it's, particularly my homage to his novel Red, which is one of my favorite novels. Yeah. And that it's novel not. is about a, a man whose dog was killed and he's trying to get some sort of justice. So I sort of did a role reversal where it's about a man who's killed and his dog is trying to get justice. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I like that. Great. Now, uh, we were talking a little bit before the before the show, and uh, <laughs> you start writing at four thirty in the morning. So, <laughs> on a, that's crazy. Uh-oh. On a typical day, on a typical day, how much how much time do you spend writing, and why do you get up at four thirty in the morning to write? <laughs> well, I I I need to make time for it, and I know if I wait till I'm off work. I'm going to be tired. There's going to be dinner to make. There's going to be a million reasons I'm going to find to put it off. So I just, I get up and I do it as soon as I get up. And I do it so that I have time between a half hour to an hour every morning to write. And then I'm done with that. Then I start getting ready for work. That way I always know that time's going to be there to write. 
I wow. so admire you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's just really, but yeah, no, that's great. I I commend you for that. I couldn't. That's that's bedtime for me. Yeah. Four thirty. You know? Well, actually, I've been doing really good yeah. lately. But you know, typically, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, um, you. Uh, what are you working on now? Is there is there more coming? Um, I have a couple of things that will be out over the next couple of years. Um, a couple of novels that I wrote. Um, that will both be out through Crystal Lake Publishing. Um, one is my take on the haunted house story called 324 Abercorn, and the other is oh. a suspense novel titled Before He Wakes. Um, I don't have definite dates on those, but over the next couple of years, they'll be releasing those two. And I'm working on a new novel called The Advantaged, and I'm also collaborating with a friend of mine, um, I don't know if he wants me to officially say, so I won't say who, but um, we're collaborating on a novel as well. So I sort of have those two things going, and it works out well while he's working on his parts of the novel. I work on my solo novel and then flip back to our collaboration when it's my turn. Nice. Wow. Nice. Are you enjoying yeah. collaborating? Yeah. I do. I I do really like to collaborate. Um, um I've done it a few times, a werewolf novel I wrote with James Newman, Dog Days of Summer. I wrote a zombie novel with Aaron Dries called Where the Dead Go to Die. Um, I've done a couple of novellas with a few other authors. So I do enjoy that process, and I feel like I, I never collaborate where I don't feel like I come out of it a stronger writer. Right. Yeah, right. We like collaborating, too. Yeah, it can be really good. All right, um, what what would you say if I asked you what your definition of success is in terms of writing? What What is, it, to be a successful writer, what does that mean to you? To me, it just means doing the work you want to do and being proud of it. Everything else is gravy. Um, I mean, I you know, if I was offered a multi-book deal with a major publisher, I wouldn't turn it down. But ultimately, I don't do it for that. I do it because it's what I love, what I'm passionate about. And I just want to do the best work I can do so that I can be proud of what I put out. So success is just doing what you love and being proud of the work you're putting out there. Nice. I That's agree. That's a wonderful definition. Yeah. yeah, truly. Mm-hmm. Now, it says that you, you enjoy reader feedback and you like talking to your readers. So where can your readers and the listeners of this show get in contact with you and find out more about you? Well, I'm very active on Facebook, even though I realize that's becoming passe, Mark Allen Gunnels. Um, I do have an Instagram account now that I started mostly as research for a story I wanted to write that had to do with Instagram, so I figured I better figure out how it works. But my Instagram mm-hmm. is make reading cool again, and it's basically just me posting pictures of books all the time. Um, <laughs> I do have a blog that I semi-regularly update, markgunnels.livejournal.com. I'm on Instagram at markagunnels, and, but I'm I'm mostly on Facebook and like I said, I love to hear from readers and other writers and 
just to talk about books and writing and story. Nice. And what, just out of curiosity, what what do you think of Instagram? I I've I've heard the same thing. It's like, oh, you know, nobody's on Facebook anymore. I I don't know if that's true or not. I, I that's where I spend most of my time. But uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. apparently Instagram is the place to be. And I've I've tried, and it's okay. I don't really get it. I guess. What what do you what do you think of it? Is there? <laughs> what what do you think? Well, I joined because for the novel I'm writing, I talked to a bunch of college students because it's set at a college. They're the ones who tell me Facebook was for old people and that everyone <laughs> was on Instagram. And I did have a, right. a story idea I wanted to do. So I joined it, and, I, I mean, you know, it's a lot of pictures, which can be nice. And like I said, I just decided I'm just posting pictures of books. I tend to follow people who post a lot of book stuff. So, but, you know, it's it's – like if Facebook mm-hmm. was only pictures. <laughs> so I like discussion too, so which is why I sort of favor Facebook. Um, but, you yeah. know, if you just want to scroll through and look at some nice pictures, I mean, it's it's fine. Sometimes I go a long time without posting anything, and then I'll just start posting a bunch of my favorite books. Right. Oh, nice. Yeah, I keep I keep forgetting about it. I I do the same thing. It's like, oh, I try yeah. to make up for lost time and post a bunch of crap. And <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we'll keep trying. All right. Yeah, we will. <laughs> anyway, um, Thanks. it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I'm so glad that it worked out this time. And uh, I hope that you will uh, keep us updated. And when you have something new, you'll let us know, and we'll we'll have you back. I will do. Yes, it's been a pleasure yes. talking to you. Oh, you bet. Especially that haunted house book. I can't wait for that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I will be pimping that one hard. It's a Savannah set haunted house book. I'm very excited about it. All right. Oh. Well, you let us oh. know. We'll keep an eye on you. We've got yeah. an eye on you. <laughs> we do. We're stopping right. you now. Uh, thank <laughs> you, everybody, for listening. We've been talking to Mark Allen Gunnels. His latest book, The Daylight Will Not Save You, is out now. Be sure and check it out. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next week, we wish you haunted nights. And sweet screams. Thank you for listening. Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross.